Hey everyone, this is the second session of our Ruth series called Redeemed, and we are jumping into this second session. We're calling this session Mara. We're going to focus specifically on Naomi today and her story. Next session, we will focus on Ruth, but today we want to take a, a good look at that which Naomi has lost. So it's a bit of a heavier one today. Like before, the best way to use this resource is alongside the worksheets, so hopefully you have those. And what we'll be doing is taking breaks throughout the, the lesson uh, to give you a chance either to reflect on your own or if you're doing this in a group setting, uh, to be able to discuss with the rest of the group some of the things that, that we're talking about. There'll be some questions and some aids to help with that along the way, so be sure to have that with you as we go. So here we go. Let's start. We'll be in... Uh, Ruth 1, verses 6 to 22. So let's start here with verse 6. It says this, Then she, that's Naomi, then Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she heard while in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. The author is setting up Naomi's story, so he packs a lot into this little uh, half-verse here, a couple things to know. It might be smoothed out in your translation if you're reading in your Bible, but the word Moab is repeated here. She wants to return from Moab because she heard while in Moab about what God was doing. It's, it's redundant, it's clunky, and so typically that's why it gets smoothed out in translations because why repeat this word twice? But the author is doing something here. When words are repeated, they're meant to emphasize. So God is acting on behalf of his children in Israel. While Naomi, the lone Israelite left, remember her whole family is gone. She only has these two daughters-in-law, but they're Moabites. So she is the lone Israelite left. God is doing something amazing in her home country. But she is here in Moab, Moab. And we're supposed to feel that. And this good thing that is happening in Bethlehem, the text says, is that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. There's a couple things here that would have jumped off the page if you were an Israelite, because the author here is using some specific words in order to connect this story to another story. First off, the author uses the specific name of God, the Lord. This is the specific and special and proper name of God. Your Bible may also say something along the lines of coming to the aid of his people, but it is a specific word that is used here in the Hebrew. It's the word pakad, which means visited. And that's important, that the Lord visited his people. So it's the specific name of God, the Lord, came and visited his people. And like I said, if, if you're reading this and you're an Israelite and you know your family story, if you know your family history, you would know exactly what was happening. The author is connecting this story to your formation story as a people. The Israelite story is a story of redemption because they were enslaved, they were in bondage, they were living lives of famine in Egypt. And then God reveals himself to a man named Moses, who is called upon to deliver them. So let's pick up that story in Exodus 3. And I'm reading from the New King James Version because I think it will help us make these connections 
verse 13. It says this, and this is Moses speaking. Moses is speaking to God, and he says, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land flowing with milk and honey. So Moses meets this God and asks him, what is your name? And God responds, I am who I am. And this is actually where we get the Hebrew word behind the Lord. And it's a a bit complicated, but this idea of the Lord, it comes out of this passage. The I am God, the I am who I am God. And he doesn't reveal this name to anyone else. It's, It's sort of this special personal name that God gives to his children. Moses asks, what should your children call you? And God says, call me I am, or call me the Lord. Do you have a parent or a close friend or a child that has a a sort of a special nickname for you? One of those names that you say, only so-and-so can call me that. My wife has one, I won't speak of it, but only her mother is allowed to call her this special name. And actually my daughter, Mia, when she was little, she called me Dada. But when she was feeling especially affectionate, her D's kind of slipped and became B's and she would say Baba. She'd go, Baba. And sort of the name stuck. And she's the only one in the world who calls me Baba. It's a special name between father and child. I am her Baba. Moses asks, what should your children call you? And God says, call me Baba. So this name has a very special, intimate, personal connection with the children of Israel. And so when it's used, it's used in a very special, set-apart, different way. And notice in the passage what God asked Moses to do. He says to go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, I, the Lord, have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So this God, this personal God that is is connecting with his children, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to visit you out of this land of famine and bring you into a land of substance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I have visited you. I have seen that the Egyptians has made your life bitter. I have seen the evil that Pharaoh has done to you. And I will now redeem you. I will restore you. I will give you what you need. You will not go empty. So that this story is the cornerstone of your identity if you're an Israelite. You are the people who God made his children, gave them a personal name, visited them, and brought them to a land that would provide for them. That is that is who you are. And so if that's who you are, and now you're reading in this Ruth story about the Lord coming and visiting his people once again and providing them that bread, this would have made all the sense in the world. The Lord, the I am that I am God, Baba, has visited his children again and gives them bread. 
you'd think he's at it again. He's doing this thing. He is providing in the land he promised. The author is connecting the Ruth story back to our foundational story. God is doing it again. He's up to what he's always been up to. Here he comes to rescue and restore and redeem us. The Lord has visited us. Baba has come and has given us bread. But if you're Naomi, you're not there. You're not in the land God brought you to. You're not getting the bread in Bethlehem, the house of bread. You're in Moab, Moab. Your husband has died. Your sons have died. You are a foreigner in a land not your own. And you hear that your God, your Lord, your I am who I am, your Baba has come to the land that you are not in, has visited once again, is doing the foundational thing that he's been doing for your people for generations. And you're not there. You're alone. You're somewhere else. You're in Moab, Moab. And friends, we're only a half a verse in. All right, let's take a break here. Uh, grab those worksheets, a couple of questions, and a couple of things for you to explore just to help us get Naomi's story kind of set up in our heads here as we continue on. Okay, we're back. Let's, uh, let's pick up the pace here a little bit or we'll be here. For a while, it says, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there with her two daughters-in-law. Again, there's that repeat. It sounds too redundant. We're supposed to feel this isolation Naomi has of their daughters-in-law. They're not true Israelites. So that just keep that in mind again. Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And so again... As they prepare to go home, these daughters' husbands have died. There's no real connection anymore to Naomi. The sons are gone. So when they plan to return home, it's only Naomi's home. We're supposed to feel that. Daughters-in-law, daughters-in-law. The story she's heard about, the Lord visiting and providing bread, is only her story. The daughters-in-law are from Moab, Moab. It's not home for them. It's actually a foreign land for them to go back to Israel. And then so Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, again, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Not the home I'm going to. Again, that double word there, a little play on there. I'm going home. You go find your own home. I'm the only one left. And Naomi's essentially saying here, hey, I've got nothing more for you. My sons died. And if you go into the legal situation of that day, there is really no more formal bond left between them. She says, listen, we're, we're good. We're done. You, you don't owe me anything. And she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and she, and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me Am I going to have any more sons that could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughter. She's saying, even, even if I got married tonight and got pregnant and then gave birth to sons, would, would you actually wait until they grew up? Would you wait around for those young sons to come? No, of course not. It is more bitter for me than for you. 
so go, right? She's saying, it's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. This is my story. It's not your story. This isn't your home. This isn't your people. So spare, it's almost like, spare yourselves. It's more bitter for me than for you because this God I'm talking about isn't your God. The Lord, Baba, the one who has been faithful to my family for generations is providing in my land and I'm not there. Don't stay with me. This isn't your pain to bear. Go home to your families, to your gods. Spare yourself of this bitterness. And what's more is we get clues from the text that this situation Naomi finds herself in wasn't even her fault. In that very first verse in Ruth, in the NIV, it says there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Now, this makes it sound more like a group decision, right? It was a man and his wife and his two sons, and they sort of all went to the country of Moab together. But the Hebrew actually reads this, a man went to the land and his wife and two sons. The action word went is written in the masculine singular, meaning he alone was the one who did the leaving. He was the one that made the decision to go. If they had all decided, it would have been in the plural. It was Elimelech that made the choice. He was the one that did the action, which of course makes a little more sense in a patriarchal society. It was Elimelech's action. Naomi, as the wife, was the bystander. But now he and his sons are gone, and she's left holding the bag. It's one thing if someone is responsible for the situation they're in, right? We, we might feel bad, but deep down we know they had, they had it coming. We're not supposed to feel bad for Elimelech because he was the one that did the leaving. He got what he deserved. But Naomi, we're supposed to feel for her. It's not her fault that she's in this situation, alone, in a foreign country, hearing of the goodness of her God in the land she's supposed to be in, but she's not. We're going to skip ahead to verse 19 now. We're going to look at Ruth's speech to Naomi next week. Uh, we're focusing here on Naomi this week, so we're going to jump ahead right now to verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, again, there's that devil who's supposed to feel that they've arrived. They've gotten back to the place they were supposed to be. And what happens? The whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? So they get back home and the text says the whole town is stirred. And this word stirred means to ring out, to make great noise, or to roar, or to murmur. You get the sense of what's going on here. The gossip train has left the station, right? And, and the whole town is talking about it. Have you ever gotten the sense that people were talking about you and you didn't even know how to get ahead of it? Right? This poor woman comes home old and in shame and loss and heartache and ruin. And everybody has her name in their mouths. So she resigns. She kind of has, she has this speech to them. It says, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And so she says, don't, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant, but call me Mara, which means bitter. She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why, why call me Naomi? The Lord has done evil to me. Your Bible might say, has afflicted me or has brought trouble to me. But this word is the word ra'ah, and its basic definition is evil. She's saying, God has done evil to me. She says, I've been left empty. She says, I am bitter. 
and here Naomi is saying actually something very specific because she's using these particular words to make a point. Where have we seen these words before? What is Naomi trying to say by using these words? So let's take another break now, and I want to give you the opportunity to flush this out on your own. So take some time to explore that. But I want to wrap up this section by noticing something else that Naomi says. She says that the Lord has brought her back empty. Now in her bitterness, she can't see that that's actually not true. She can't see that she hasn't, in fact, come home empty. Someone is standing right next to her. Someone came home with her. She hasn't come home empty. And that someone is going to be the key to her redemption. But in her bitterness, she can't see it. In the moment, she can see nothing but despair. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's take a break now. All right, we left you with a question. We asked, why does Naomi say these things? Why does she say, I'm bitter, I'm left empty, that God has done evil to me? Remember earlier, the text uses keywords to connect this story to the burning bush narrative. In Exodus 3, the Lord gives his name. He visits his children. He promises them to bring them into the land of provision. And in the same story, then, the same Lord visits his children and provides him bread. We're supposed to see that connection. Well, Naomi continues this trend because she does the exact same thing. She uses the same types of word from the same story, but this time she uses all the words that describe the Israelites prior to their deliverance. Remember earlier in your study guide, we read that the Egyptians made their lives bitter with hard service. And then later in this promise of the burning bush, God promises them that you shall go out and you shall not go empty. And then a few chapters later, uh, Moses is speaking to God and he says, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has brought evil upon us. And so by continuing to use the same words, Naomi is connecting her story to their story. Remember when the Lord gave our people his special name and visited us and brought us out and into the land of provision, not empty-handed? Well, he's doing that for you now. But he's not for me. You were brought out of bitterness, but, but I remain in bitterness. You came out full, but I'm empty. God redeemed you from Pharaoh's evil, but God has brought that same evil to me. You see, your story is continuing, but my, my story has been cut off. The Lord has turned his back on me. I'm, I'm alone. I was in Moab, Moab. The Lord's not for me. He, he's not on my side. You were redeemed out of Egypt, and I've been left behind. Don't, don't call me, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. We've all been here, haven't we? whether it's self-inflicted or was totally out of our control. We've all had that moment where God feels distant, God feels far away, that God's doing something really good over there, and yet I feel cut off from it. We've all had those dark nights of the soul in which God doesn't feel like he's on our side. When we were church planning a few years back, I had this moment one night. I was talking with my wife, Molly, and... 
church wasn't going well. And I just, I had this deep sense of bitterness and I was exhausted and it just felt like God wasn't on our side. And I remember uh, saying, God has left us. God is not on our side. It doesn't feel like God is going to help us. It felt alone. It felt like I'd been cut off. I'd seen the Lord work in some amazing ways with churches all around me. But I felt like I was in Moab, Moab. I have a cousin. Her and her husband have been struggling to have a baby for a while now. And last year we announced that we were expecting our third child, our daughter Rudy. And about halfway through, maybe even three quarters of the way through the pregnancy, um, they became pregnant too. And uh, there was a lot of celebrating. And they told us pretty early on in the process they wanted us to pray for them. They had already lost uh, a child. Fast forward a couple months, we have a beautiful, healthy baby daughter, Rudy. And we had a family get-together scheduled about six weeks later. And in those six weeks, we got the call from them that said that they lost this one too. And so when we came to that family gathering, we realized that this was going to be the first time that any of our family was going to meet Rudy. And, and this was also going to be the first time all the family had gathered after the news of their loss. That in the same setting, we would be celebrating a life and mourning the loss of a life at the same time. One family, God seemingly is doing good things. And another family, there's loss. What do you do when it feels like God is acting and visiting other people, and yet there is silence for you? What do you do when you feel bitterness towards God? We've all been there, haven't we? Maybe somebody important in your life died. Maybe you lost a job. Someone got sick. A relationship deteriorated. You were betrayed. You made a mistake and paid an unjust price. Family life wasn't good. You wrestled with anxiety. Or maybe, maybe it's happening right now. And you feel like you're in Moab, Moab. Alone, distant, cut off. And when you're in Moab, Moab, it feels like the Lord, Baba, is visiting everybody else but you. And often it feels like everyone around you is talking about it. There's a stir in the town. And you don't know how to get ahead of it. And we said before, in her bitterness, Naomi can't see. She says, I've, I went there full and I came home empty. She, she can't see in her bitterness that she actually hasn't come home empty. Someone came home with her. And the good news right in the midst of that bitterness is that somebody is standing beside her and that someone is going to be the key to her redemption. But we know the end of the story. We know a little later that Ruth's line leads to David and David's line continues to Jesus. In your bitterness, in those moments of feeling alone, feeling cut off, feeling distant, when you feel you're in Moab, Moab, somebody always comes home with you. 
And for Naomi, like we said, she's so caught up in the moment right now. She says, I'm empty. I'm alone. There's nobody left here. And yet the one that will redeem her story is right there with her. When we're caught up in the moment, it feels like no one's there. And yet someone is standing right next to us. Somebody comes home with us. Ruth leads to David and David leads to Jesus.